The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Today on the show, we'll talk about these topics. Animals. We will check out some cool inventions. Discuss some sex. And top it off. Well, it should have been top it off with sex, but top it off with some sports. So listen, laugh, and learn with Season 3, Episode 10. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Animals, 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 crazy animals. You didn't waste so, any time, did you? I couldn't wait. When I saw this one, I said, I, I can't wait to get right into it, okay? The manatee, or sea cow, depending on how you describe it, if you observe a manatee underwater, you'll notice that they're able to ascend and descend without moving at all. Quite talented animals, don't you think? So yes. it had me wondering, because, you know, these things really puzzle me. I go, let me find out. How do these animals manage to control weightlessness so easily? Well, the answer lies in the many bubbles that escape from the back of their bodies. The manatees control their buoyancy by discontinuous cycles of farts. <laughs> they can regulate the distribution of their intestinal gas containing excess gas when they want to rise to the surface and releasing them when they want to sink. This is why their diaphragms are located close to their lungs to accommodate all of this volume of gas. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why I swim so weightlessly. <laughs> I'm a, he's an excellent swimmer. Somebody thought that I was on a boat one time because I went by them like... <laughs> that's a that's a power boat listen we have manatees all over the place down here when i take my boat out you were out with us it oh, says yeah, manatees go slow you know and yeah. i have actually jumped in the water with manatees had i known that they were farting all over me i might have rethought the whole process you know but then again i farted on them too so it's that's fair right. it's fair it's fair so they thought it was a family reunion <laughs> they're like oh is he the farter <laughs> yes, I'm the father. <laughs> Manatee, I am your father. <laughs> exactly. If you shave a guinea pig, I have no idea why you <laughs> want to. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning, you felt the urge to shave a guinea pig. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, Italian women. But anyway... You'll notice something. <laughs> You'll notice something amazing if you do ever get the chance to shave a guinea pig. You, after you shave it, just put it up on a little table and look at it, and you're looking at a miniature hippopotamus. No. It actually looks just like a hippopotamus. With the hair on, it looks a little different, 
But, you know, I mean, I wonder, you know, is there a market for, like, waxing places for guinea pigs? Maybe they want to, you know. Yeah, want to trim in those um, delicate areas. But, of course, when they do come out with those waxing places, they'd be first in line because, after all, they are guinea pigs. (laughs) A parrot's squawk of, hello, nearly sealed the fate of a thief who came in through an unlocked door to steal the credit cards of this owner up here in Brockville, which is just outside of Toronto here in Canada. He got away at first because the homeowner did not pay any attention to the parrot because he thought, ah, he's always saying, hello. Well, as it turns out, a neighbor snapped a photo of the man leaving the residence that the police succeeded in identifying him, matching the picture to the surveillance footage, and the 33-year-old man was arrested the following day and placed in custody ahead of his bail hearing He's been charged with breaking and entering, theft, and use of a stolen credit card. So the next time you have a parrot and it says, hello, answer the call. Well, the next time you have a parrot, teach it how to say hello and then the word smile. Hello, smile. Dolphins never sleep because in order for them to breathe, they must be fully conscious. They can't breathe unless they're fully conscious. And when you sleep, you're semi-unconscious. So dolphins can never sleep or they will die. What you're saying is, in essence, dolphins suffer from insomnia. You so, think that they would be counting other things than like sheep? Yes. Maybe manatees. <laughs> or they're doing this. They're calling that you know, those late night infomercials, the 1-800 numbers, and they have all kinds of, uh, you know, buy now, like well, those infomercials. You've seen them at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why would you want to sleep, though, if you were a dolphin? The more I think about it, Nick. Because a manatee could sneak up by you and just fart right on you while you were sleeping. <laughs> That's right. As we said in the past on this show many, many times, dolphins have porpoise. <laughs> a group of cats is called a clowder, C-L-O-W-D-E-R. According to dictionary.com, a clowder originates from the term clodder. Clodder is a Middle English term that originated in the late 1700s and was used to describe a clodded mass. The term evolved over the years to the current clowder, meaning a group of cats. Cool. I call it something different. What do you call it? I call it girls at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) While you think about that and shaving a guinea pig, I thought this one was pretty interesting, to be honest, until I thought about it. When an ant dies, its body releases an odor that tells other ants to take it and go bury it. But the more I thought about it, that's not so interesting, because if a human dies and we leave him there for a while, he's going to throw up an odor, too, and we're going to want to bury it. (laughs) You know, something stinks around here. Let's do something about it. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. Philip Walter Katz. The inventor of the zip drive, Philip Walter Katz. He's got three names, so he's got to be a smart person. He died of an overdose, Nick. Oh. Very sad. He overdosed on peppermint schnapps. <laughs> what? Now, now, I've got to ask you a question. I mean, I brought up the shave and the guinea pig. I mean, this guy is a smart guy. How much peppermint schnapps would you have to drink? I mean, it's not even really that strong. And this guy drank himself to death. He overdosed on peppermint schnapps. But the person who did the autopsy said, I'm sorry, 
he died of peppermint schnapps, but he has the best breath of any corpse I've ever had. <laughs> he doesn't stink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember the zip drive. It was like the, the early uh, iterations of like uh, computer storage. Yeah. That was quite it something. Was, it was usually a guy named Gino in my neighborhood that was driving down the road. In 1846, a German glass blower. Where was he from? Let's see, Germany. Where was he from? Liechtenstein! I can't read or hear German without hearing you saying Liechtenstein! A German glassblower from Liechtenstein invented marble scissors, a device for making marbles. But the first mass-produced toy marbles were made of clay, were made in the United States in Akron, Ohio by S.C. Dyke in the early 1890s. But some of the first U.S.-produced glass marbles were also made at Akron by James Harvey Layton. Steve Jobs, the Apple billionaire, is mm -hmm. a hell of a guy. Get ready for well, this. He was. He People was. love Steve Jobs. They read his book. They idolize the guy. Well, I got news for you. He fathered an illegitimate child. No. Then denied it <laughs> after he said, okay, I know it's my kid. He goes, ah, no, it's not. Okay. He denied it, and then for two years he fought this poor woman who had the kid DNA tested, of course, and it was his kid. But he fought uh -huh. her for two years before he ended up having to pay child support. The man had billions of dollars. He invented the Apple computer, and he actually fought her for that. You, you, wow. you know how you cover your phone with a, with a plastic case? Mm -hmm. You know, Steve should have covered something else. <laughs> you know what they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree <laughs> i wonder when he died did they bury him in an apple case they should have the saxophone we love that musical instrument the saxophone oh now god they're they're, <laughs> they're really sexy the sexy yeah. saxophone some musical instruments have been around for centuries the oldest flute by the way is thought to be at least thirty-five thousand years old the yeah. saxophone is a more recent invention the first saxophone was patented by Antoine Joseph Sax in Paris in 1846. Oh, there it is, folks. There's the one that you're going to tell people. That is so cool. And you can continue to tell them when you tell all your friends that you learned this on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. The saxophone was patented by Antoine Joseph Sax in 1846. It was the first instrument to combine a reed as in a clarinet with a brass bell as in a trumpet, and without its unique sound, we would never have heard jazz or any music styles that followed in its footsteps, usually romantic songs. Okay, Thomas Jefferson, best known for the Declaration of Independence. I mean, he's one of the real forefathers. I mean, that guy had probably like 60% of the Declaration was pretty much him. He did invent something else. He invented the first swivel desk chair. The oh. first swivel desk chair was invented by Thomas Jefferson. And guess what? The prototype that he invented is the chair that he sat on to write most of the Declaration of Independence. That's awesome. There's another one. There you go. There's another piece of information you'll hear from our show, and you're going to tell all your friends. If there's anything else you take away from this show, those are the two facts back to back. That's cool. Love that. In fact, I'm swiveling on a chair right now. Oh, you're swiveling. I see it. You're spinning around. I mean, you look like Linda Blair because all I can see is your neck up. But but um, they have to go to NickAndRoy.com.
and see all the new stuff that we have on there. All kinds of great stuff. NickandRoy.com. It's as uh, solid as concrete. Concrete is one of the most widely used man-made material. It's a composite material composed of rough composite bonded together with a fluid cement that hardens over time. One of the key ingredients of concrete is cement. And the foundation to cement was laid in 1300. A lot of sexual connotations in this one, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Getting it hard, was laid. getting laid. Yeah, in 1300 <laughs> B.C. <laughs> yes, he was hard as concrete. Uh, Middle Eastern builders coated the outside of their clay fortresses with a thin and moist burned limestone, which chemically reacted with the gases in the air to form a hard protective surface. And there you have concrete. Wow, you don't want to throw that uh, limestone around those manatees. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And boom. Now, we talked about all kinds of sexy things, and, and one person wrote to us, and they said they, they went to our email, which is useless at nickandroy.com. Useless at nickandroy.com. And they said, you guys sound really, really sexy. I'm like, no, come on. Keep going. So, what's it to you? Oh, yeah. All about sex. Where do they send their pictures to? Useless at nickandroy.com. And, and after the lawyers get a hold of us, then we'll have to play them this. The following segment of the Totally Useless Information podcast may be too sultry and too sexy for some listeners. Condoms. We all know condoms, don't we? We should use them. The Egyptians used them 3,000 years ago. These ancient condoms were constructed from animal gut or fish membrane. What's that smell? Um, By the 1840s, they were made of organized rubber and would be washed and reused. Mm -hmm. Then came along latex and the disposable condom. In fact, modern condoms should be removed immediately after use and disposed of properly, which means not in the toilet. We had ancient condoms, yeah, didn't we? You know, you know what's funny though, Nick. I mean, when you think about it, you really—if you go ba- back that far in Egypt, you really didn't need the condom because pretty much you ended the evening when you walked in and said, "Oh, look, I'm excited, and I just threw fish guts all over it." <laughs> <laughs> That's called birth control. Okay, we're not having. A, we're not. Yeah, it's birth control. <laughs> The, the fish membrane is birth control enough. You ain't getting it on. But uh, we talked about ancient condoms. You remember ancient condoms. Those are the condoms that you and I had in our wallets in high school. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I had a vending machine <laughs> in my bedroom. Please deposit 50 cents for the next 10 minutes. Okay, here we go. Let's yes. go to Liechtenstein. <laughs> okay. okay. Get ready. A schwanger chef for Hund and Schmittel. Yes. I'm going to say it again because I just like to. A schwanger chef for Hund and Schmittel. I think I had it for lunch. That's a condom. Really? Yes. So if you're ever in Liechtenstein <laughs> and you go into a pharmacy and a guy's standing up there. But think about this. By the time you get this out, it's too late. You should have had the condom already. That's because, right. I mean, think about having to stand online and say, oh, what was I needing right now? Oh, a schwanzer schmittel. 
So the first part is this Schwanson. Is that why sometimes people refer to the male member as a Schwanson? Schwanz, yeah, a Schwanz. Schwanz, yeah. it's Schwanger, Schaft, Verhuntung, Schmittel. So you got to put the old Verhuntung on the old Schmittel of the Schwanz. <laughs> and then you got to sing something like, Yeah, if that's not foreplay that gets her into the mood, I don't know what doesn't. This lady wanted to share something. She shared some of her moments in she bed. Wanted to share. What did she wanted to share. She shared a letter. She wanted to share the story online. So I thought during this useless information with Nick and Roy, the sex section, I wanted to share what she, she shared. She shared on the show. So she said, when my husband and I were first dating, he was spending the night, maybe for the third or fourth time, I woke up from a very unsettling dream and rolled over to cuddle with him, and I said, quote, I had a bad dream. He rubs my arms a bit and sleepily says, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know what makes it better, I ask him, hmm? I squeeze him a bit tighter and rip a giant fart. What? <laughs> so she, she, all of a sudden, she squeezes him, and as she squeezes him so hard, she ripped a giant fart. Suddenly, she says, I'm completely awake and aware of the fact that this guy I've been dating for a short time but really falling in love with is lying next to me in silence because of saying something like, the thing that makes it better is waking up next to you. I just squeezed them and farted. So much for what being... Is, what is this woman's name? What is this woman's name? Uh, she didn't share her name. She shared everything else, but she did not share her name. She shared much too much information and she didn't even give us her name. Name was withheld to protect his identity. First off, the woman's sleeping with him like the third or fourth time she's going out. That I could see. But yeah. then to sleep with him and then fart all over him. And he turned around and he said, I had a horrible dream about humanity. What a good Oh my God. That woman's sick. And she yes. should that no that letter should have been ripped up. It's much too, yeah. much too. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the G spot. Speaking yeah. of letters. <laughs> the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> the place where women experience an amazing orgasm mm -hmm. was originally going to be called the Whipple Tickle. No. Yes. It was going to be called the Whipple Tickle because the professor who wrote about it and basically found out about it was named. Professor Beverly Whipple. So they were going to be like, why don't we just call it the Whipple Tickle? And then she said, no, I'd much rather call it the G-Spot, which probably has some other thing for her, but I think it's the gas something or other. That's why they call it G-Spot. Yeah, she came up with that for some stupid reason, but okay. I can't pronounce it. It's like walking into a store and saying, If you are a member of the Mile High Club, I don't know, have you ever been a member of the Mile High Club? Have you ever... Um... I don't uh, kiss and tell. Okay. But, um, yeah, I have a few uh, uh, wings on my belt. Now, here's something interesting. So the Mile High Club, of course, is when you have sex in an airplane. And it actually has to be the rules say that in order for, for it to be called the Mile High Club, you have to have done it at least one mile up into the sky. Mm. Okay? All right. The autopilot that's used in cockpits is the whole reason why the Mile High Club exists. 
when early aviator Lawrence Burst Sperry invented the autopilot in 1914, it allowed pilots to um, do other things other than steer the plane. Flying high makes, yeah, so the autopilot was invented so that pilots can, you know, spread their wings, so to speak. If you've experienced, <laughs> you know, sex up in an airplane, flying high makes it for better orgasms. Because of the dip in atmospheric pressure, it's said to increase orgasmic intensity. The higher you fly, the less oxygen is in the air, which makes many believe that it leads to a better orgasm. Another very simple explanation is that the plane's vibrations also heighten arousal. Yeah, one time I went to use the bathroom. This has nothing to do with sex. I went to use the bathroom. We hit some turbulence. That was fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, what? for something completely useless. Up until 1973, the American Psychiatric Association had homosexuality down as a mental illness. Whoa. Up until 1973. When you pick up the phone, what do you hear? You hear a dial tone, right? Hello? Okay. The dial tone is actually a major third comprising of the musical notes F and A. The dial tone is a continuous tone of the addition frequencies of 350 to 440 hertz at a level of minus 13 decibels. Hello? Stop playing with me or I'll get my Schwarzenhugger tickets middle. <laughs> There you go. So the letter F and the letter A. Wow. Cool. The former, this is completely useless. This is why I brought this up, because it's going to sound like sports, but give it a chance. Former NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle. He had what's called a spinal protrudence. Okay? What me and you call a tail. Pete Rozelle had a tail. Okay, I, I, I can't even imagine that he would keep this tail in his pants, okay? And his mom, when he was pretty young, it was kind of sad because she would call him and she'd say, Come on, Petey. Come on. Stay. Sit down, Petey. <laughs> no, 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 Petey. <laughs> down, boy. Wow. And he had a tail. You know what? He did have a tail. And when he told the people... It was a tale that he spoke, he told his tale about his tale. That makes sense? Sports. Play ball. The Olympic rings. The Olympic rings cover every flag in the world, which is why the colors yellow, green, red, black, and blue were selected to represent the Olympic rings, because at least one of these five colors appear in every flag in the world. Now, the five rings were chosen to symbolize the Olympics because its sports competitors come from five continents. It's customary for jockeys to be paid, here we go, get ready, in coins, no matter how much money it is. They're supposed to get paid in coins. And thus the term, the purse. They won the purse because they would actually get the coins in a purse at the end of the race. Pretty cool. Usain Bolt's diet at the 2008 Beijing Olympic Games consisted of 
100 chicken nuggets a day. What? He ate 100 chicken nuggets every single day while he was out competing in China, as well as, wait, not just not just the chicken nuggets, French fries and apple pies. Oh, my God. The guy has to have, like, the most unbelievable system to withstand all that fat and everything. And the guy, what does he weigh, like 80 pounds? I think the chicken nuggets weighed more than he did, but these were truly golden chicken nuggets. You brought up the Olympics. Well, I have the Ochimpics. Yes, every year from 1952 to 1960, they were held. The Ochimpics was a Olympics for monkeys. They had a variety of sporting events for, yes, monkeys. And I'm thinking to myself, wasn't it between 1952 and 1960 when the FBI was experimenting with LSD and other hallucinogenic drugs? Yes. Was the whole world stoned. <laughs> well, what did you call Ochimpics? Yeah. Could you imagine saying that to your wife? Oh, honey, can we eat fast? Because I really want to get into the living room and turn on the Ochimpics. The Ochimpics is on tonight. They have some great things going. That's right. And after the, the allegedly the FBI you know, consumed some LSD, then they sent the monkey to space. Yeah. Could you imagine the monkey that wins? What they give him? A banana? <laughs> And the golden banana goes to – that's incredible. I'm just trying to imagine the kinds of games. I mean, look, uh, they've said that monkeys are very much like humans. Maybe they you know, they run like humans. Who knows? Interesting. James F. Fix, who spurred the jogging craze with his best-selling books about running and preached the gospel about active people living longer. Have you ever jogged in your life? Are you a jogger, by the way? I tried to jog one time, uh, but I had drank the whole night before, and uh, I got about maybe 13 steps before I fell down into a bush. Well, you did a lot better than James Fix did. So, what? again, James Fix, who spurred the jogging craze, died of a heart attack in July of 1984 <laughs> while jogging <laughs> in Vermont. <laughs> okay. Who the hell wants to run around like that? Now, we don't want to alarm anybody, so those of us in our audience who are listening and, and listen every week, and we appreciate that, we want to keep you around just so that you know, he was 52 years old, but his genetic predisposition for heart problems and other previous lifestyle factors may have caused his heart attack. So please, here at Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we're not saying at all that jogging can cause a heart attack. He had some other uh, underlying issues, but please be so careful. Basically, just sit at home on the couch and watch people jog. Well, how old was he? Fifty-one. Fifty-two years old. It was his eighteen-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> he got a lot of notoriety for writing the book. <laughs> I guess you could say he was running around with women. <laughs> <laughs> He's a runner. Wimbledon, and a lot of people say Wimbledon. It's like the Indy 500 or the Super Bowl of tennis. But what you didn't know is that the courts are made of grass. Wimbledon is one of the few uh, championships left that are played on grass. When I was a young kid, I played on grass. But um, the um, it, it's tougher, too. It's a very hard uh, surface to play on. But did you know this? You might have known about the grass, but did you know they used to keep the grass two inches tall Okay, up until 1949, the grass was two inches tall because in 1949, a player was out playing and went to take a swing and got bit by a snake. There was a snake in the grass. 
So after 1949, they were forced to cut it much lower so that they would never have to worry about snakes biting the tennis players. One time I played in Forest Hills in New York, which was where they used to play the, the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Now it's the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Flushing Meadow Park. But I played on the grass back then, too, and somebody was screaming from the stands, my God, there's a snake, there's a snake. And then they looked and they just noticed my shorts were very short. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now, now your shorts are two inches higher than the everyone else's shorts. And that's about enough to cover it. <laughs> that's just about enough time for us to talk about useless information. That's it. We are out of time for this episode. Can you believe it? I can't believe how quickly it went. Are you serious? I, didn't, I thought we had other stuff to do. No, that's it. What? We're all finished. We did. We did. Uh, we had all kinds of fun stuff to talk about. We talked about animals. We talked about the sex. We had some inventions. And, of course, sports. And uh, what was the name of that condom again? How do you uh, pronounce condom in German? We will scour the Internet far and wide for more useless information so we have more for you guys next week. So, in the meantime, you got to tell a friend. Go to nickandroy.com. Just log on, nickandroy.com. we got all kinds of cool stuff on there. You can listen to back shows. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.